What's up, Warriors? I'm Kaylee. And I'm Betsy. And this is the Not Your Mama Pod. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to give another disclaimer. We are not experts. We only talk about our experience. If anything triggers for you in this episode, talk to an expert. If you need help, please reach out to the appropriate lines. As always, we talk about endo, infertility, and all the hard stuff. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Hey. We have an extremely special guest with us today. Oh, yeah, we do. Um, and I'm very excited because she's Yay. like my Instagram sister twin. friend. Yes. Yeah. Twin. <laughs> we have Liz here, otherwise known as South Asian Warrior. Yay! Yes, I think I actually recently changed my name to South Asian Survivor. Survivor, I'm sorry. I'm very grateful for you always. And with that being said, um, you just want to kick us off and introduce yourself and anything you want to say, anything you feel like doing. Yes, yes, yes. I'll do some tumbles and handstands later. I hope so. (laughs) Yes. Um, Elizabeth, I entered the Instagram world about two years ago. Um, and I was highly, highly motivated because I found my specialist team for the first time through Instagram, through um, Jay from Life Above Illness. She absolutely changed my life and inspired me to continue changing others. So that's kind of how I started my journey on Instagram. Did you have your just like original Instagram before and then that's how you found your diagnosis or did you start yeah. your endo Instagram? Yeah, no, I had just my like personal account. Um, I think I found, I heard about one of those um, initiatives that was sharing scars. Um, okay. Where I think that was Georgia. I don't want to butcher her name, but it was a photo, like an artist that started a trend. This is endometriosis. I think was the hashtag, and I I had been starting to share my story um, online briefly. But, you know, just the stigma and like, the, you know, you're like, oh, am I oversharing? And also like in the Indian community, everyone's very, just like everyone is in everyone's life, very, mm-hmm. very much so. So it's very much like you don't talk about bad things. You don't share when you're in the hospital. And I had been having a series of unfortunate events where it was like just back to back. I was dropping out of college programs left and right, like stopping jobs. Like it was just my whole life was put on hold. Um and then I got to a point where I found that hashtag, I shared my story and somehow um, found Jenna. And, and then I saw the Endo Co. It was like the first nonprofit mm-hmm. account that I found. I was actually close to that area too. So in conjunction with all that, I ended up meeting Jenna and I ended up meeting um, all these amazing people at an event in LA. And it just I just remember speaking with them and just being really like, just starstruck by their like power and just like everything they went through and resilience and everything. And um, then I just decided to start my own. So Instagram is such a, yeah, the internet is just such a crazy place that people from all of the, all over the world, just like united by a common goal. For sure. How long ago was that? So that was probably, it was pre-pandemic like barely so I had just started I remember it was like yeah I think it was 2019 um also oh another catalyst which I cannot forget is so I had been sharing online but briefly and then some of my best friends like I had been at I was at pretty much the lowest place I've ever been in my entire life 
Um, and I just basically, I had hit rock bottom. I, you know, stopped working. I couldn't physically get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. And um, a group of my best friends started to go fund me. Um, and they, you know, they just started it. They're like, okay, listen, we put your story online. If you don't want us to share it, we won't. And I was like, you know what? I'm like so tired and I appreciate everything. And so, and then we raised $13,000. Oh, wow. Incredible. It was just like mind blowing. And I just was able to use it for treatments and all this stuff. And I was just so like blown away by the power of the internet because at this point, I think we're all just like, we know the negatives of the internet, but the positives of the internet are just so rare. And you just like, yeah. I, I had just been so blessed by the internet that I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to share my story. Like, I'm going to overshare. I'm going to document this because this can help somebody, you know. And yeah. Um, then, yeah, two years later, I am like, I found a whole community. Of- She's like, yeah, you did. I am queen now. I, yeah, she is. I, I just. <laughs> I just feel so blessed to have met everyone and you both included. And so, yeah, that's, it's, it's encouraging because it feels like a safe space as I'm sure you both know. As, yeah. Uh, yeah. It definitely has came in clutch for both of us and our experiences. And I don't see a lot of positives out of COVID and the pandemic, but people being willing to go online and share and open up more, I think has done tremendous things for the endometriosis community. I'm grateful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Pandemic. With- all of that being said, do you want to go into your journey? Do you want to start like your journey to diagnosis and what's happening with you now? Yeah, around 12 was when I started my um, period and I just remember feeling like a lot of pain um, mm-hmm. associated with that. And, you know, just everyone in our community is just like, oh, that's so normal. Like, congratulations. It was a big like, you know, thing. I was like, oh, congrats. You're whatever. It's like you're in this period of life and it was really great. And then I just remember feeling absolutely horrible like from day one and then mm-hmm. it started progressing even worse um when I was around 14 15 I remember I was running like I was really really active in sports softball cross country dance track like I was very very um active and I remember I was I think it was a cross country meet I had passed out from pain and mm-hmm. um I ended up in the ER and then that ended up in emergency surgery and this has happened at least twice um exploratory Mm -hmm. surgeries where they're telling me nothing's wrong um and then randomly I would pass out again and it would be you know chocolate cysts uh fibroids um you know adhesions the typical whole Mm -hmm. thing we're like oh yeah so they they knew that it was like obviously like pelvic symptoms that were your yeah. reason for this so that they didn't just like exploratory like go in your body anywhere it was like your pel- like your it was pelvis yes. area very good point yes it was my it was my stomach area um I think my very first surgery actually they thought my appendix was rupturing and I think this is the common thing that happens yeah um mm-hmm. remember at that time the surgeon looked at my appendix and was like oh there were like there were things around it. I don't know. I don't know what it was. It was just like weird because this is your first surgery, but there was like adhesions and I just took it out. Um, you should be fine. And I was like, okay, I just whatever. Took it out. Yeah. <laughs> Removed it. Like, take out whatever you want in there. Sounds yeah. good. Sounds like yeah. a cure. Exactly. And I was, you know, 15 at this point. Right. So um, and my parents were very much my caretakers, second language, um, English is their second language lots of things lost in translation. I remember at one point 
I had, you know, doctors that were not American, uh, but not Indian. And they were like just of different nationalities saying to my parents that, oh, um, nothing's wrong with her. You have just a very, very dramatic American daughter. And that's just how, you know, dramatic American girls are. Um, And my parents actually didn't share that with me until recently, that 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 was the thing that was said, because they were just like, they were just, you know, genuine concerned parents as as you know parents would be and um they tried everything they you know the whole like ayurveda like there's a lot of like holistic ayurveda things in our you know culture and they brought it all i mean i'm still doing all those things so it's really interesting that you mentioned ayurveda is that how you pronounce it yes um i just started reading a book about it i think actually like because i've been like seeing things about it with my own body and my own digestive system so I just started reading a book of it about it so that's really interesting that you said that so let's break that down for the audience a little bit yes yeah let's do it um what have you learned from Ayurveda like from the books oh it's very confusing like (laughs) yeah it's a lot of information for for me to go like just blindly go into um from what I understand there's these dashas yes and there's three of them yes okay and veda Veda. Veda, yeah yeah. and so like my understanding is each person has like a body type or something like that and you are supposed to like eat and drink according and act according to your dashas is that the general there's so much so this is that's why i asked because i'm like that's one um realm of it but that's actually yeah that's definitely one of them and it's yeah based on like temperature body temperature body type um, do you know which one you are by chance? Um, I I took like an online quiz, so yeah. I, so I shouldn't even be like, yeah. But I think it said I was um Veda Pitta. Veda Pitta, would that be right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's um, I'm complete Pitta, so that's like Pitta, um, okay. so it's yeah, it's definitely um it, it, there's like different practices that um will I think it's like it's hard because I don't really know how to explain it in English and I'm going to try really hard uh, just because my parents are very like so it's like a general broad term of like it's like if you were to say like western medicine you know it's right. like what does that entail um so I think that is the general thing where um I just know in what you put into your body is very 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 important what you put on your body is very important like what kind of clothes you wear um I think the general idea of Ayurveda is that everyone has a different body type and everyone has a different temperature and you're going to have to like eat things according to that. So for like my understanding of it also is that ancestral diet and like blood type have a lot Mm -hmm. to do with it. So like maybe what I would need naturally for my body is different than what you would need, like different than what your ancestors, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of, for me, um, I've been doing like SIBO with a grain of salt because I'm also mm-hmm. doing like blood type and like mm-hmm. primal foods because that's like I know for me if I eat a bunch of rice and coconut I will feel good right that's yeah. what has to be also what my ancestors ate right so um I don't I don't want to like tell you that I know what it is because no. I don't there's so much that goes into it but I am very into like um understanding holistic healing and like yes. the process that goes into yeah you know, this is like an ancient yeah. medical practice. I'm saying medical, like loosely, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's right or not. Yeah. 
but um it's just really interesting so yeah okay sorry i got us way off track no okay so you're you're in high school you're um doing all of these ayurveda um healing yes i am doing that and um i just keep passing out it's just like one after Mm -hmm. the other i keep passing out um from pain is that what you feel like triggered yeah yeah, I think so. And um, I think it was also like, I've had multiple sip, cyst rupture. And like, while those and I'm sure like, you know, a lot of that, us have yeah. had this happen, where when that happens, we just like, are so used to the pain that sometimes we don't even know that that happened. So this yeah. is like, yep. So that that happened a lot. Um, and I ended up in the ER a lot. And every time it was like a new doctor, um, a new hospital, like someone, like someone new that was trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and then eventually I got a diagnosis. I think I was like maybe 17, 18. I think like before college, I got a diagnosis, but it was such a loose, like you have ovarian cysts and you have adhesions. It's called endometriosis and it's retrograde menstruation. And eh, like, you know, nope, but wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> I read a textbook page and I'm gonna tell you what's wrong with your body. Yeah, exactly. Um then, you know, I mean, it was to the point where I actually didn't graduate high school on time. I had to do summer school because, you know, like I mean, every single thing I started, I had to quit. This is a, well, a you saga. Were sick. I mean, you, you were yeah. sick, girl. Right. Like right. Yeah really complain about like not complain about that but you can complain yeah. about that all you want no but <laughs> no but like exactly but I, I just you know remember feeling very angry about that and then um you know fast forward to college it kept happening and I think you know it's it did get to the point because doctors didn't understand what was going on family didn't know what was going on a lot of quote-unquote friends would you know kind of be like oh, is she being dramatic again like you know yeah. like not really not really thinking is anything wrong I remember I actually have a photo shoot in, in high school I was in um, a wheelchair and I was like just in the park and it was like post-op but it wasn't even because of the surgery it was because I couldn't like physically walk and I remember being like told that I was being dramatic because I needed a wheelchair to go to class and I just remember like my friends were I had amazing friends that I have to this day still but I had a lot of really great people, but you know, in high school, people are just like, she doesn't even have cancer. Like, you know, she doesn't even have like anything serious. Like, why is she in a wheelchair? You know? Also, it's like that invisible illness stigma. Like it's there. Can't see it. Yeah. You can't see it. Why is she being dramatic like that? So yeah. So many, yeah. So many sagas, but okay. So how many surgeries had you had up till like the end of high school until you went got that high school? Like genuinely don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a wild. My right? heart hurts for you too, though. <laughs> I, I know it's it's so bad. I know it was more than it was more than five mm-hmm. um, at that point. Probably less than ten at that point. College started, and then when college started, it was happening so much. Oh my gosh, movie theaters! Like there isn't a place where I had, didn't have an EMS come through. Like it was mm-hmm. not. It was like a joke that we we made it a joke because that's how we coped with humor. It's, yeah, right. It was, you have to you, know, you have to very, joke about it or you'll cry. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was like a bingo game where it's like, oh, let's go to the movies. Oh wait, didn't Liz pass out there? Like, oh, let's go to the coffee shop. Didn't she pass out there too? Um, you get props though for keep living your life because I think a lot of people would start to become a recluse with the pain and then the issues of like having to call for help and things like that. They'd probably stop going. Yeah, I think. 
I did though at a point, you know, I did think I, I did lose, I did lose a lot, a lot of parts of me, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like there were a lot of parts of me that I think looking back on, honestly, I can say every single one of us that have illness can say that like, there were so many things that I wish I could have done or, you know, I didn't go to prom. I didn't go to, um, I didn't graduate on time. Like yeah. I didn't complete my bachelor's degree on time. I didn't f- finish my master's on like, as in like with my class, you know, right. um, I, there's no on time, but it's more just like, I didn't do that with the people that I wanted to do it with. Yeah. Um, Listen, no judgment from me. It took me nine years to get my associate's degree. Listen, (laughs) listen. This is a safe zone. Yes, no, that's, exactly. Time is like a construct for sure. And it's just like the pressures we put on ourselves. And I am, I raised by hardworking immigrants that worked like seven jobs and put so much, you know, they are just the epitome of hardworking that I was, I I have to work harder. I'm in America, like- yeah, you know, um, and it's also hard because even when we get the endometriosis diagnosis, even when we start to understand that our life is always going to involve a chronic illness, there is so much of our life before that where like we know we don't feel good, but we don't understand how much different we feel than the average person. We're still trying to meet these goals set for us by the average body person. When in reality, ninety percent of them would not meet those goals, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think it was once I, I, I always say like the saying, I I think there's a quote somewhere that is like, once I establish or once I identified as disabled, Mm -hmm. I like felt free. Yeah. I feel that was the first time, like when I established or when I started to identify that, like, I don't have the same 24 hours in the day as every accessible body, I started to like release parts of me you know, there's something empowering about letting go of that stigma and realizing like everything my body's doing for me, everything I'm achieving, despite having a chronic illness, like I'm okay. If I have to hold my hip, when I walk down the hallway, y'all don't even know if you have a question for me, I'm happy to discuss it, but otherwise it's a non-factor for me. This is my life. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that that can be so debilitating, right? Like, especially like this is more than half of our lives, right? It's like, it's just debilitating. Um, and yeah, no, I think like it, it is much easier when I have like you guys mm-hmm. in my life. But yeah, no, it's just one of those things that um, community has saved me in a lot of ways because even if you have support systems, which I have the best, the world's best team in my life, but they just honestly like, sometimes don't get it and yeah. they try but it's they just sympathize like, but they can't always understand yeah exactly yeah there's there's definitely something to having people who have been through it or yeah. who know what you're feeling know what's happening in your body versus somebody like I have a really great support system too I'm very 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 grateful for but he he doesn't necessarily understand like yeah. Yeah. My, my pain levels like right. you don't you just people just don't understand that so I get that community is very important. Huge. It's huge. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple questions. Yes. While you were going through your teen years into college and you were going to the ER, were you also seeing like an OB or a gynecologist of sorts for these as well? Yes. So very, very good point. So I was actually 
very good question because throughout this whole time I did have the same OB um, and she I I feel the need to say this only because I feel like this is the reason my parents believed her so much she's Indian Mm -hmm. um, and she spoke to me like very um, mother nurture like in a very Mm -hmm. like I know she was trying her best and she was she like I mean she I had her cell phone number I had her on speed dial. Anytime I got admitted to the ER, she showed up. She, you know, gave me a full like suite. Like, you know, it was very much like she tried, but because you could in her head, she's like, this is the quote unquote worst case of endo I've ever seen. And I don't know what to do. Um, And I, I guess like I ended up writing her a letter after I found my specialist, because I know that she tried really hard. So I guess, let me go through that before I tell you everything. Um, so I found her, she was amazing. She really, really did try her best. However, she was not an endometriosis excision specialist. She was not even an endometriosis specialist, but Mm -hmm. she had like signs everywhere. Um, you know, where I went through the Lupron's and the, um, Oralissa's and the, just like all of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, she had really, really tried, um, to get me to do all of it because, and she made me think that that was the right idea right. because I had all these endo signs around and I was like, well, the, no other doctor's office has endo signs on it. And she was probably right. doing what she thought was right. I mean, honestly, yeah. like exactly. It's probably exactly. the extent of her knowledge or her resources. And that's Absolutely. the biggest issue with endometriosis right now is we still don't have enough knowledge, resources, or advocates in the medical Absolutely. space. Absolutely. Yes. That is exactly the issue. She tried her best, but her best was not enough. And you can't be doing your best on people's bodies and acting like you know that something is yeah. definitive when you don't. Um, yeah. I think we'd yeah. all appreciate if the medical staff was a little bit more real with like, this is an unknown chronic illness. It has yeah. implications we don't understand. These are what we're yep. doing. They're not cures. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Experimental. Refer, refer me to someone who does. <laughs> Please. So. Yeah. Or even the best, yeah. like. I, I truly don't think excision is going to be our answer long-term. Hopefully not, hopefully not forever. Right. But I'm okay with the excision specialist right now because you are my gold standard right now. And I, and I hate that so much, but I, I am so pro excision, like in the sense I, I speak about it so much because if I had known about excision 10 years ago, factually I would still have a working bladder I would still have a working kidney I you know whether or not like I would still I would not be as debilitated as I currently am if I would have found this excision specialist even five years sooner yep you know the medical community is letting endometriosis survivors warriors friendos whatever you want to call them they're letting this down by that lack of knowledge because the longer this goes uncured in the body the more implications infertility organs getting taken out you name it chronic illness you know if we had some more curable routes or even early detection our lives would be dramatically different and that's the biggest letdown so different and and I think that's why our voices matter so much because the change is only happening because of our voices change is happening because of our voices and so I it's so hard because it's for like endometriosis awareness month is it day 39 or is it like (laughs) it feels like it's day 185 we're one weekend and I'm like oh my gosh there's so much content and stories and voices and 
I think you posted about burnout like the first after the first day and I was like no for real like I feel that <laughs> it was like I 10 think hours yeah it's the emotional pull because every single time I think I understand the pain and my experience and Betsy's experience and our friends and then all of a sudden somebody else posts and I'm like I'm broken again and there's yes. still no answer so it's just like churning up the pain, using our voices, making yeah. sure society knows this happens, making sure the stigmas are gone. Like I showed somebody my uterus at work this week on my phone. And I know a guy walked by and they're like, what are you showing? I was like, my yeah. uterus. And they're like, oh, yeah. and I was like, mm, get out of here, Felicia. Like it's, yeah. it's a normal body part. It's okay. Yeah. And like, yeah, no. Oh yeah, exactly. Like there's no boundaries because they cannot, there cannot be boundaries. Like no, if there should be. Yeah, no, it's exactly. it's a body, it's a body. It's we all have these bodies. So yeah, if exactly. you'd be okay seeing my my organs, my intestine, then you can see my uterus. It's yeah. okay, sir. Yeah, uh, exactly. Other question for you about that early detection, and yeah. this may be more of a cultural thing, but I'm just curious: was birth control an option? Would it have been approved? Was it discussed? Yeah. So um, I was on everything. I was on birth control, but then there was a point where another Indian doctor. This is like my journey. I was in California then at this point. So in between all of this, um, I had finished my degree. I was doing my internship. Long story short, my husband and I moved to California and we, that is actually where I found, finally found specialist care. But before I found specialist care, I found horrible care. Mm -hmm. And, um, in that time we were not trying, um, to get pregnant any, anymore. I will say at that point, because, um, you know, we were told wrong, wrongfully by all these doctors that, you know, if I had a baby, you know, they're like, you have a partner who wants a baby. Why don't you just try for a baby? And then it'll, you'll feel better. And I was like, feel better. God. Okay. Well, maybe I should keep trying. So then I, I went off of birth control and I essentially started, what was the drug? Letrozole, I believe is what it was. Mm -hmm. And I was told, I literally was looked in the eye by this doctor who told me that he's like, I'm doing studies on this right now. Letrozole is the cure for endometriosis. I promise you it's the cure. Not telling me that the side effects are multiple um, births of like multiple, basically like children, like yeah, yeah. fertility drug. And I was not told that it was a fertility drug. I was told it was a cure to endo. So I was like 20, 22, 23 at that point, And I was just taking these drugs because I was told I was a cure. Obviously was not on birth control because it was an interaction. I had multiple losses because I, it was never my ovaries that couldn't produce. It was my uterus that couldn't carry. So I had multiple losses during that time. They kept encouraging me to keep going. And then finally, um, my husband and I were like, just, we are so don't like we're not even worried about children right now we just want me to like be alive and like yeah. just yeah. We're worried be alive. About <laughs> yeah like genuinely um my parents at this point and culturally they were still like no like no you can't you're so young don't you're like you cannot and I was like listen we're we're, we're throwing in the towel like this is it we're done and, and yeah it's not even like it's just we, we don't even have the space to like be alive as a couple we cannot give anything to anyone else so went in for my histoscopy because they were officially like, okay, um, let's do a histoscopy and see how bad the damage is. And then we'll do a hysterectomy. So I, I had both of those scheduled. I was in pre-op for my histoscopy and um, the nurse was like, oh, just like pee on this 
on this um, whatever let's like make sure you're not pregnant and I was like listen I just have nothing left in me I was NPO I don't really feel like peeing on this stick like I don't care what it says like we're having this surgery yeah and she was like honey just do it just do it I'm like she made you she made me pee and I was like oh whatever and then it was like oh you're pregnant and then literally this is the this is like when you know just like everything that fertility people go through um my husband and I looked at each other and we're like yeah okay and are you not doing the surgery like we were just genuinely like so are you not gonna do the surgery and he's like yeah you're pregnant and we're like and like who cares like it's not gonna let like in our heads we were just like it's not gonna last like and this is yeah know, this is like a lot but we were just so done no, you had so many so losses real because I remember like several times having positive pregnancy tests and I'm like mm. toward the end you get to like, a point where you're just like this baby's not gonna stick around anyways like there's no point in me getting excited there's no point in me even telling yeah. my husband like yeah it'll, I told, it'll be gone in a couple days like, I told B I was back in my OB he's talking about care and I didn't listen to him for like 20 minutes and I had to stop him and say so am I really pregnant it's like what do you mean by really and I was like hasn't hasn't turned out to a baby yet yeah. yeah he's like no you're yeah. truly pregnant this is not a chemical pregnancy and unfortunately like I talked about my story I did miscarry um later in term but it was just so interesting because I had dismissed the possibility I didn't even tell people I was going to yeah. the doctor yeah and I'm sorry that that's your story also because I yeah. just feel like it's it's so common it's so it it's so like disregarded uh, our emotions are never talked about they're just looking at like the facts that you are pregnant and it's like okay but do you realize emotionally what you're putting us through like mm -hmm. and some people didn't even act like I wasn't trying to get pregnant and I think yeah. this is the other part that I got really frustrated because I was so young I was so broken I was so I mean I had prepartum postpartum like I had everything because all the partums because all the partums <laughs> because I mean who would like it's just yeah after our lives you're just you're like so tired and you're so, already you've already dealt with so much trauma that this is just like a little bit extra trauma <laughs> physical pain it's and then let's just add a ton of hormones on top of it some yeah. that you make but a lot that the factory makes for you exactly like, sometimes don't even tell you that you're in a factory for it i i think that's the biggest concern i me and betsy talk a lot about how it's a privilege and it's a curse sometimes with endo the more knowledge you have as a person while you're going through your journey like there's some some ignorance with the bliss right like bliss is the ignorance I guess is how you say it. but like you yeah. don't know that you're doing the wrong things yeah when you start to know you make choices not to follow your doctor's advice I I thank the endo community for understanding what Lupron was before yeah. I started Lupron because yeah. it was not sold to me the way it actually is Mm -mm, never it's is. no big deal it's no big deal and I'm sitting there asking questions like I'm scared I'm scared I'm scared yeah. I still kind of want a child I'm scared I don't yeah. want to do Lupron and then I started yeah. learning about what Lupron does to people and what Clomid does to people and what all these other medications do to people and your fertility and they just try to put me on a breast cancer drug I'm like sir yeah I feel like that's a no yeah like, exactly so okay so you were in the hospital um, about to have a hysteroscopy Yes. and you get a pregnant positive pregnancy test so what then so we got a positive pregnancy test um my husband and i really really advocated for continuing because we were just so done uh with the 
false pregnancies or the, you know, just the losses. And then um, our doctor was actually also very, very involved in fertility, like treatments, which I wasn't aware of. Um, and he was just absolutely, he was like, this goes absolutely against everything that I stand for. I can't continue your uh, procedure. So at that point we were like, well, we're going to find someone else who will. Um, and then he's like, meanwhile, can I just do like a test? Can we do like a heartbeat thing? And then, uh, and then we did, and there was, um, two heartbeats and they were very strong and it was the whole thing. And then, um, you know, it was, it was pretty early still. It was like five weeks and five, six weeks. And so honestly, at that point we went home and we were looking for other doctors to do the histoscopy. That's Mm -hmm. kind of where our mind went. Um, but in the interim, we're like, okay, well, I guess like I can like keep an eye on it or whatever. Um, I was really just like reluctant the whole time and, um, biding your time until you could find someone else pretty much to do it. Exactly. And I was just kind of like, okay, well in a couple of weeks, like, so, um, all that to say, obviously was not processing the multiple losses very well, had very bad, um, prepartum and postpartum because the entire time I thought my baby wasn't going to make it and Mm -hmm. one of them didn't. And it was a really complicated pregnancy. I had a lot of fibroids. Um, She ended up being induced pretty early. Um, She was in the NICU for a little bit, but long story short, Raina is one of those girls that just wanted to get into the world and she did and she's here and she's- And we're better for it. Yeah, she's she's a little endometriosis advocate there. She is. Teaching her all sorts of amazing things. Thank you. She has no choice but to be. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's adapted quite well. (laughs) How beautiful is it that like all the cards are stacked against you. You have this PTSD from miscarriages and loss and your body's breaking down and you just want to feel better. And then this little fighter still makes it through. She made it through. And um, honestly, like, I think one thing though, that we should really talk about is the like postpartum, because I think that's, thing that like it's just so overlooked and it's uh, like there's so many studies how it's linked to endo and I wonder why it's probably Mm -hmm. because you've had a loss or two or five and it's just one of those things that um people don't talk about they're like oh well you have one now and it's like yes but that was so traumatic and And it doesn't take away your loss it in it yeah and then I think that that in that like the whole um like I was not present as a mother for nine months at all because I just didn't, I could not physically be there. Another thing that's really messed up is how it's not talked about, how my GYN totally disregarded my prepartum, postpartum symptoms. Mm. I had to find my own therapist and my therapist told me I didn't have postpartum. And then I like went to school for it. And I was like, well, I do have postpartum, but here we are. Um, Anyway, that's just like in conjunction with everything else. I think it's an overarching umbrella, right? Everything that, that, can be classified as a women's issue something that deals with those lady parts we're told to suck it up not talk about it and deal with it that's you know a lot of my friends have postpartum and they they don't feel comfortable discussing it they don't feel comfortable asking for help and through my ptsd of losing a child having multiple chemical pregnancies being suicidal after the fact and sitting up at 3 a.m googling like am I allowed to be this sad? Who can I tell? Um, because I didn't think I could talk about it because every time I verbalized it, you're told to be strong. You got this. It's going to be okay. Life will get better. Right. Right. 
we're right. not allowed to discuss it. And so we internalize it. And I, I truly believe that's, that's part of the reason why if you have a chronic illness that's tied to like endometriosis, that's why it gets so bad because we're focusing yeah. on other parts. It's exactly. why our suicidal rate tied with endometriosis is so high between the losses of pregnancies and the pain and the gaslighting. It's, it's way bigger. It's a whole body disease, but it's a whole life disease. It takes everything yeah. from you if you let it. It does. It really does. It really does. Yeah. It'll get better. Yeah. We, we see us. Exactly. I promise. Exactly. You know, it needs to. And that's why, like, that's why we're so loud about it. That's why yeah. we cram things like this into our schedule because it's so important to talk about. That's why you, we are, you know, just being vulnerable and raw and just so authentically vulnerable. And it's hard work to do yeah. that. And I think people forget that, like, we are literally talking about some of the most traumatic memories that we have. And we're doing it so other people feel less alone. Yeah, it's in, not going to help mean, us. Yeah, in like a lot of my case, yeah, say in my case, I'm sure in your case, um, you're digging through years of pushing it down, like just yeah. suppressing mm -hmm. your feelings, suppressing your emotions, um, mm -hmm. and like a little bit of like trauma protection is what mm -hmm. I would say, like protecting yourself from reliving those moments. Yeah. So exactly it's a lot it is a lot so talk okay, us so you, through having a kid and yeah. then how that kind of goes on with your chronic illness because now now you're a yeah. mom you have postpartum yeah. and you still have a chronic illness oh my god I don't know how 2016 was like the worst year of my life but it was amazing because I did yes I have an amazing warrior at the end of it but it was honestly very very hard because it was not even I, I don't even think it was three months after having her that my symptoms started starting up again I had to have like multiple surgeries again so that year that I had her I remember I was three months post Reina like postpartum and I was like in the surgery like I had to be in the OR at least twice while I was breastfeeding like I remember oh it just being and I worked in a prison somehow that year too and it was just like a lot <laughs> but we don't have insane to but you do a lot I mean yeah. I mean, it was just it was just so much that I think because I was it was so much that it was like my body was in just autopilot I was like well this is fine well I can do this I can work in a riot I could be here I can be pregnant and have a child and whatever but I I didn't and I, I was not okay and then one year after that I went back to that doctor that was in Michigan that had pretty much been my OB my entire childhood um, and she was basically like, all right, this is bad, but you have a kid already. So like, should we just take it out? And I was like, that's probably the thing I should do because you're a doctor and you have a medical degree. Um, and so that's what we did. It was, I think she was, yeah, it was 11 months post. Serena was 11 months old. Uh, it was May, 2017. And I had a total hysterectomy. I remember they, it was 24 years old and I had, you know, just, been like oh well I don't know well I don't know what else to do so this doctor is the only person that has cared about me consistently for my lifetime let's do it she's the expert with the posters of Lupron in her office like it must be yeah. right um it's not right obviously but yeah so did the hysterectomy um I actually had and then so fast forward 2018 was the best year of my life mm. um so literally the best year of my entire life um it was I felt I think looking back after experts have now seen my history is like, well, you had bad adeno, um, adenomyosis. And so removing a, a chunk of that gave yeah. you relief. 
Yeah. Um, did not give me long-term relief, but it gave me, it gave me two years, a year and a half, two years of like awesomeness. So 2017 to 2019 clutch best years of my life. I feel that um, I got, I understand that a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If, if you had that hysterectomy life, I'm sure you understand the relief of that. Um, do you, so either of you question, because you both have endo, you both have adeno, you both have had hysterectomies, you both had a year at least of relief. Yeah. Do you regret the hysterectomy for not somebody even, who's sitting here not, with endo, not, with I mean, possible not even adeno? A little bit. No, no I okay. absolutely, nope, absolutely not. not. Even a, yeah, not for me either. Not even like a little bit. I would do it over again in a second. It is terrifying guess, to me that it's like probably a short-term relief in yeah. the scale of your life. Well, so the reason why, and so this is where I get irritated. So I don't regret the hysterectomy. I wish I had it with a specialist. And so okay. that is the only thing I regret. So I had, finally, I had a special, a specialist excision surgery with Dr. Iris Orbuck in 2020. Mm-hmm. So if I had that surgery in 2017, I would have been like, oh, I'm so happy because she, I mean, again, I don't know what would have happened. Maybe nothing would have been salvageable. Maybe I would still have had the same outcome, but she would have extracted everything at in 2017 versus leaving bits of endo to now grow on my bladder hurt like further to now eat my bladder and my kidney and my ureters. So like, that is why I regret that surgery. Right. Right. I, I fully do understand that, like not even to take away from that at all, but yeah. um, I had my hysterectomy with just my regular gynecologist and, yeah. and I know for a fact that they left endo. Like, I mean, right. he, he, doesn't you feel know. It. he didn't know, I mean, but I feel it and I know. Yeah. Um, so, you know. but I get that. Yeah. yeah. No. It's, yeah. I think for anybody with endo or out of no, it's just a terrifying like game. Like, when do I push for more surgeries? What surgeries do I push for? How do I pay for the right surgery in the long run? Am I doing more damage going under the knife or am I doing more damage just sitting here? And yeah, exactly. And I appreciate you sharing because it helps. It knowledge helps all of us. Right. And, and this is like where I'm always you, like, if you follow my Instagram, I'm always pushing excision. And I, Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be a surgery pusher. I just mean that if you are like, in that place that I was for the last like decade, like, Oh, okay. I know I need surgery. I just, who, with who, mm-hmm. like, even if I literally like sell my house and move to Michigan, who do I go to? Right. Like if I get all the money in the world, if I'm taking out loans, if I'm getting somehow I get the privilege of having money to, to do something, what do I do? Excision. That is what you do. And like, that is why, like, that is why I'm so loud about that because it is unfortunately surgery and it is unfortunately inaccessible and it should not be this way. And we shouldn't be fighting and losing an arm and a leg and literally half our mortgage in order to, to, to pay for that because it's our lives and our organs. But since we don't have another option, it's the best option. Yes. I know I had a discussion with a friend the other day, just like one of those random coffee ones. Like, what would you do if you won the lottery? And I was like, excision surgery. Exactly. It's so sad. Multiple times for the rest of my life. Yeah, which is absolutely insane that that is like the first thing that comes to your head because normal people are like, oh, I'd buy a fancy car, I'd buy a house. And you're like, I would have surgery to remove the pain. They literally were like, well, would you not go adopt? Like one of your issues is paying that much for adoptions. If money wasn't an issue, would you go adopt? And I was like, no, because I still need medical care. 
you still have to be alive. Like, like adopting a baby is not going to cure much. I am like a leap step hop away from kid free, loving my life. I'm okay. Thank you. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so few doctors, so few options and so expensive. It's just like, it's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, and and like, we're going to be on a wait list, which also lets it oh, no grow. My God. I was on a nine month wait list. Like it's insane. Because um, it is inaccessible. Like there's not enough of them. <laughs> it's so, it's so crazy. Like the biggest question I get in my, in my like DMs are just, I mean, it's, it's a lot of trauma dumping, which I understand, like, it's not okay to do that. But at the same time, I understand why they're doing that. It's because there is no place for us to, to dump. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of that. And it's a lot of just like, okay, so these are my symptoms. What do I do? And I'm just like, excision. I know that's not accessible. I don't know what to say because I don't know what to tell you because excision yeah. Like, but it's so can you talk us through that how did you go about that process to get the excision to get on the wait list you did use yeah. the doctor in Atlanta right I used no. Dr. Iris Orba oh that's what you said yeah. sorry I'm so so yeah no she is um she's in Santa Monica she's the mm -hmm. author of Beating Endo and I'm literally I yes I'm plugging her because she's amazing like she and I just like I know a lot of people have a lot of experiences with different doctors, but I, that was the first doctor that actually like did something positive endo wise for my body. So I'm mm -hmm. like very, very pro, um, at least reading her book. So I have a lot of people in my family that have symptoms. I'm just like, I literally ship them beating endo because I'm like, this is everything I preach, but it's in like medical form. Um, so the process was really long. Um, the thing that she did that was really awesome, though, that I've never had before was that she gave me a team of specialists. So um, she was in Santa Monica. I was in San Diego. Some of my specialists were in Santa Monica. So I was on disability for basically a year. And she pretty much looked me in the eyes and was like, I know that's not accessible, but if you can be on disability and you can make your health full time, you need it. Like you really need it. Your, your scans are it's like scary. You're like, there's a lot going on with your body and you need to take it seriously. And I was like, whatever you say. So she gave yeah. me a pain specialist, which I've never had a pain specialist in my life that actually like knew what they were doing. They um, actually put me on meds that calmed my nerves down. Like I was doing the GABA, which I know sucks, but also helped. Um, gabapentin is like what I meant to say, which was calming for my nerves. I'm not like trying to prescribe drugs and just telling you guys like openly what was mm -hmm. given. Um, I, I, so I, notes. No. <laughs> yes, exactly, yes. Um, exactly. I was, I was, you know, obviously I was on a lot of pain meds at the time. She weaned me off of my opioids, um, because before surgery, she's like, look, your she, two things that she said that I really appreciate. She's like, right now your central nervous system is on fire. You've been in pain for your whole life. Your pelvic floor needs a lot of love and help. Your nerves need a lot of help. Your nervous system needs to calm down because if I put a needle to your skin right now, your your body's just going to flare up even more. So we're going to fix the SIBO. We're going to fix the IC. We're going to fix the nerve endings. We're going to, you know, we're going to like really, really gave me like a team, um, which I appreciated. Pelvic and like a plan too. also, a like plan. A, a solid yeah. plan. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. She's like, based on this, it seems like you have endo here. I, um, we actually thought that I had um, the thoracic endo because my symptoms were very, very aligned with that. It turns out I didn't, thank God. Um, you know, it just kind of was very, I was really grateful. It didn't make it up there. Um, yeah. 
And so, um, but she gave me a whole, whole team. I, my pelvic floor therapist, um, Dr. Jander Mueller is absolutely amazing. Gave me a hormone replacement doctor who's just the best. He's hilarious. Um, Dr. Joshua Gonzalez. And I mean, I just, I finally had a team that I could text, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was being, and it's, it was a privilege. It was, I was being treated like a celebrity because literal celebrities go to her. That is not accessible. I will right. say again, it's not accessible. I was very lucky. I was put on this wait list, but I also lived in San Diego where I could take a train to go see her, to go see yeah. my team. I, you know, that's not in the Midwest. Like I'm currently in Michigan. I didn't have a team growing up. Mm-hmm. We have what one in like Ohio and one in Michigan, maybe mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, I mean, cause I've looked to see, I don't know that there is one in Ohio. Maybe there is that I just haven't like yeah but yeah because I have looked in there because I'm like I will for sure have to go out of state yeah yeah which me and Betsy talk about all the time that Atlanta is probably our closest option center for not close to the Midwest yeah it's not these are the doctors that I trust and these are the doctors that I've seen people get the feedback that like you know you deserve as a patient um Dr. Vidali is one that I recommend a lot he's in New York Dr. Iris Orbuck, obviously, um, Sinerva, 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 okay, Um, yeah, Center for Care, obviously, that whole team, I think, Dr. Jeff Arrington is also out of Center for Care Endo, Endo. Um, so, yes, there are, like, a handful of doctors, but um, the thing that I wish that everybody had access to was that team that she provided me with. Yeah. Um, because now my pelvic floor therapist became my literal best friend. I saw her twice a week. I like love and was so thankful and grateful for her. She like, she like, I, I don't know if you guys have had pelvic floor therapy. It was my first time. I have not, no. It was, yes. Have you? No, it's, it's on my list to figure out how to make it happen right now. People say like you should you should have pelvic floor. Do you know it's not as easy as it sounds? To just it's not accessible. Do it. It's another thing yeah. that's not accessible. So I another thing, paid out of pocket for mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah, and that is not accessible. Correct. Mind you, my husband and I both work, and it was we both have insurance. It was not accessible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to take out loans, like full, full disclosure. I took out 20K out of the bank just to put a deposit down. It was 60K total for all of this. Like that is not accessible. No, I had to go fund me, you know, insane. like it's not accessible, but what the good news. So let's give people some hope. So the good news is that um, what I have found is so in Michigan, I have found that like pelvic floor therapy even if they're not specialists in endo I know that pelvic floor therapy is starting to be covered by some insurances so I didn't know this before because I didn't realize how important it was so I guess that's one thing it's worth trying to get that prescribed um and a good like I work with my urologist which we'll get into all that if you would like to but my urologist um is a GYN urologist and he you know first thing he was like you need to be in pelvic floor again um so that does make a difference yeah (laughs) okay so like what is right now look for you your what's your coping what is your um plan i mean i know a little bit but go ahead and go into that yeah so um therapy (laughs) ifs therapy i'm constantly talking about internal family systems therapy i am an internal family systems therapist but i talk about it because it changed my life it wasn't until i started it that i started to be able to give 
myself the self-love that I needed, but also like to address these hurt parts, these wounded parts, the protective parts, all these parts of me. It impacted my marriage, obviously. It impacted my relationships with everybody. So IFS changed my entire life. Um, again, not something super accessible, but um, that's my long-term goal for that. But um, long-term for my, my health right now, uh, lots of things going on. So I was supposed to get a urostomy um, December 14th of this of the 2021. Because of COVID, the ICUs being packed, um, that was a surgery that they thought I would need ICU time. So because of all of the things happening. Um, now just to explain it, it a urostomy yeah. is actually a bladder removal, right? Yes. So so a urostomy is remove, remove, complete removal of bladder. We got to that point for a lot of reasons, um, but it started to impact my kidneys, my ureters, my just ability to like do anything, um, hydronephrosis, just like blood in, in everything, just like a lot of blood loss too, needed like blood transfusions and all this stuff. So it just became a lot and it still is a lot. Um, but I do have a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so this is just like the first time I'm actually talking about what's happening in, in May. I'm actually going to go to India with my family um, taking my daughter there for the first time, and I'm going to be doing treatment there. This is something my parents feel very strongly about. Honestly, I just haven't gone since 2011, so I thought it'd be nice. So I'm going to take a semester off of school. Um, so I'm ending May. So May to August, I'm going to be off of school. I'm going to be going to India, trying to do more holistic stuff, honestly, more mentally for anything else, mm-hmm. just like to prepare. So um, my gyrostomy surgery is scheduled for June 28th. So because of that, I'm like going to give myself all the loving I need. It's going to be summer. I'm going to be able to like feel strong, go to India, show my daughter, all the things, see family, come back and get prepped for that. So, um, I guess I should have asked this before I asked that specific surgery. So you self-catheterize obviously. Yes. I, I, well, I self-catheterize and I also have an indwelling and an SPC occasionally. So, um, a super pupic catheter and also an indwelling catheter depending, um, because it got very, um, basically it was causing hydronephrosis is because of all of the endo on the bladder. My bladder is completely atonic, does not work. Like I can't urinate at all, not a drop on my own. Um, so I have to use a catheter for all times. But what was happening is that even if I waited, like, let's say I, I drank this cup of tea and I didn't cat right away, it would end up backing up into my kidneys and it was end up, ending up causing kidney failure. So it's impacting my like multiple organs now. So it just got to the point where I needed a catheter at all times. They tried using just like the SPC, but then it wasn't enough. Like there was something that was happening that it wasn't impact. It wasn't like helpful, um, complete relief for that. Um, but this is uh and it was obviously just a bad painful period though right no yeah it's completely just yeah it's fine people people complain about it all the time because yeah i mean this is all they're just very americanized and very weak (laughs) it's just so dramatic of you as an american immigrant or whatever yeah oh my gosh oh my gosh okay yes yes we could get into this forever but um we're gonna try and like move it move it along here a little bit multiple spinoffs and I appreciate it um I do have a really hard question for you Mm -hmm. you are like Betsy said your wealth of knowledge your humor brings light to all of us you are just an amazing soul for a lot of us what support are you missing 
to that. What support are you missing? What what could we do to support you so you don't have to carry all the weight for all of us? Oh, this honestly, just sharing, like doing exactly this because I just feel like that's that's all we can do. That's all we can do is share our stories authentically, just keep talking about it. Like I'm that yeah. annoying person at a party. I'm like, oh, you want to stare at my catheter? Well, let me tell you why I have it. It's because of it, like, you know, just like very, yeah. very blunt. And um, and I know that's not something every personality can do. Um, right. Fortunately, I'm a drama queen and it's I'm great at it. Like I've been this before <laughs> this way. Like an extra no, my middle name. So so yeah, yeah no. Um, I just think this is like honestly just having a space, having a safe space, having just like I can be like, oh guys, listen to Not Your Mama's podcast because it has all this knowledge. Like, you know, that's awesome yeah. too. So well, you can uh, use it as your podcast at any point if you ever want somebody <laughs> want to just come on and talk. Girl, we will yes. record with you. Have a little TED talk. You can come anytime. I, listen, <laughs> not your I mama talks. That. Yes, I, I love that. I'm here for that. Yes. Well, I did want to ask because we yes. we tend to lean hard on each other. Even you've talked about it in your DMs. It's a lot of trauma dumping because we feel so misunderstood that when we find a resource, it is our resource. Yes. And Can I just tell you before you ask whatever question you're about to ask, no, one no. thing I really, really appreciate about you, Liz, is you will say, do you have the space for me to t- like talk yeah. about this? Yeah, and I cannot yes. not even tell you how much I appreciate that. Like, yeah. because- I, obviously you do get that trauma dump a lot and yeah. like that person being like hey can I or, like you yeah. have time to mentally prepare yourself yeah. and you have a, an opportunity to be like I just don't have the space for it right now so right. Yeah. I just really genuinely want to thank you for that that's an amazing tool no uh, absolutely and I and I hope I do it enough because I know you know I just feel like that is a powerful thing that all of us should incorporate to everybody to our partners yeah, yeah to each other like because it is it can be exhausting to just be alive right now in for yeah. anybody like yeah, for everybody. Sure. um and so on top of that you know chronic illness makes everything harder so um yeah definitely definitely something I know we but, had a lot of follow-up questions and I think you yeah. hit a lot of them and I, I do think we just need some spin-offs so one quick question and then I just want you to wrap up after this with what your feelings about Indo yeah. Awareness Month is and kind of drive that home. But um, one area I think we'll, we'll, we would love to have a spinoff with you on is having a chronic illness and being a mama and how much that kind of impacts your day-to-day. So if you have any words of encouragement, maybe that's a good start. And then we'll do a whole episode about how you parent with a chronic illness we can. Oh, God. What are your thoughts and there, high level? I love that. Well, first of all, I just hope you didn't hear the screaming because it is bedtime and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot same, of, same girl, same. Um, yeah, right. Same. Yeah, exactly. It is. Um, no, she, it's, um, it's a lot. Yeah, it can be a lot and it can be really hard, but I do think um, a lot of times I do like think that she could go through exactly what we go through. And um, I do think there's like a part of me that always wants to make sure I'm helping the future generation, not mm-hmm. just for her, but like for my nieces, my nephews, my like, you know, everybody in yeah. my life that's, that's a child. Um, it doesn't have to be your own to love it the way right. that my, I have so many of my friends that are literal aunts that aren't related. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Just for the future generation, I don't want them to go through what, what we are talking about. I hope when she listens to this on a record player or whatever she listens to when she's like 21 or whatever, I just want them to like, I want the future generations to actually know how hard we worked, but also like see the benefits, like reap the 
benefits of what we're doing right now. I don't know if that yeah. answered it. You asked. No, but. that's great. We will. <laughs> no, um, no, I answer questions. <laughs> no, we'll pick it up. We'll do multiple extra parts. One part, you know, I think we'll let our audience give you some questions. I'm, I, we do have endo mommies in our podcast world. And I think there's a lot of area for people to bring light into how hard that can be and how much you have to juggle. And Betsy and I are not the mouthpieces for that, right? We don't have children and we go nap. So we would love to have you kind of speak to that audience and give them some. Um, Let's wrap this up with Endo Awareness Month. Endo Awareness Month. It is March. Give us a spill. Give a spill for Joe on the street. Why they should care. What it means to you or what it means to me. Um, Endo awareness is important because of what we just said, like it needs to be coming from us because obviously medical students and doctors aren't having the time to talk about it. They're not reading more than, I mean, I have literal friends in medical school that are like pediatricians, OBGYNs that are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know how bad endo was because I had like a multiple choice quiz on it in one chapter. And then I think about your life and how, you know, you had all these surgeries and why you have a bag and all this. I'm like, yeah, well, thank you for noticing. And I do have a lot of people, medical (laughs) people that don't know anything about endo. So that's why it's important because you know, it does, it does, it does require a lot of energy on our end to go into doctor's offices and be like, actually endometriosis is not a hormonal disease. And it's not something that you find in your reproductive organs, it's actually completely everywhere else. And it is killing my kidney and bladder and it does kill people's lungs. And it literally um, destroys more than just our reproductive organs. I mean, even that is a lot. So um, that's why we should care because it's so misunderstood. It's so misdiagnosed. I mean, it's just, there's, nothing really bright happening with endo right now so no we brendos are the only bright spot exactly i really genuinely appreciate you sharing and every single thing that you do every day um yeah if you do not follow liz you are missing out on a world of goodness and a world of information so why don't you tell the world where they can find you oh i appreciate you guys south asian survivor that's my current name and yeah that's, I that's, will, yeah, I will link it out, link it out in the show you. notes. I would say there's going to be a part two. There's probably going to be like a part fifteen. We will. I'm just a part of this crew now. This is, this is my part. She's joined us now permanently. She, she's just here, and I'm for it. I am Everybody, so for it. Um, like I said, I have a running list of topics I think we could dig into. It's things I wish I had heard earlier in it. Things I still have questions on. I love that you're such an open voice and open book for us. We appreciate you. Plus, you're pretty yeah. damn cool so thank you for talking to us exactly. and a mega babe and a oh, mega babe. look at all of us here though like, <laughs> amazing appreciate you guys well we will let you go be mommy yeah. and put the little one down thank you so much for making time for us today yeah, of course yes, thank you. Bye. bye